you or someone you care for is struggling with a mental illness or other disability and you need someone to talk to, you can call the Wellways Helpline. Wellways Helpline is a volunteer support and referral service that provides information to people experiencing mental health issues or other disabilities, as well as their family, friends and carers. We're here to talk if you are feeling socially isolated, seeking information about mental health or mental health services, or just need someone to talk to. As a peer-based service, everyone working at Wellways Helpline has a lived experience of mental health issues or disability. Wellways Helpline is a national service and operates Monday to Friday, 9am to 9pm, excluding public holidays. So if you're struggling yourself or are struggling to help someone else, please call Wellways Helpline on 1300 500. That's 1300 500. Wellways supports 3CR. Refugee Radio, 855 AM, 3CR. We want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land who we are broadcasting from, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and respect the elders past, present and emerging and their ongoing struggle. Welcome to Refugee Radio this week on 3CR, listening on 855 AM or on 3cr.org.au. We're going to be listening to an interview from Bima the Brisbane Aboriginal Radio. The interview is with Diana Saeed, an Afghan refugee who is also an international human rights lawyer and the CEO of the Australian Muslim Women's Centre for Human Rights. Please have a listen. Welcome to Let's Talk. Before I go on any further, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners on this land that we are broadcasting from. I'd also like to pay my respects to our elders and also our elders of more recent arrival and a big shout out to everybody from around the continent that is taking our program via the National Indigenous Radio Service Nose. Or if you're or if you're tuning in via our app, 989 FM for the best country. And don't forget, uh, through our website you can stream uh, this program. So at 989fm.com.au. Also via our website, this program is podcasted. So you head to our website as well to listen to uh, this program and also previous Let's Talk uh, programs. Also, don't forget you can stream us via Spotify and Apple Podcast. Those platforms beaming us into your communities. And as always, it is great to have your company. Diana Sayed joins me uh, on the program. Diana is the CEO of the Australian Muslim Women's Centre for Human Rights. She's also an international human rights lawyer. Uh, thank you for joining me. Uh, on the program to have this very, very important chat. But first, could I get you to tell us uh, your name and a bit about yourself? Um, my name is Diana Sayed. Um, I am an international human rights lawyer, also currently a CEO of the Australian Muslim Women's Centre for Human Rights, based in Melbourne, and I identify as she, her, and um, former refugee from Afghanistan. Thank you for that. Um, at the moment, uh, what's sort of taken uh, social media by storm uh, is what's currently happening uh, in Afghanistan um, with the Taliban uh, taking the uh, uh, the capital and you know, the fleeing of families, of elders, or of young people. Could you sort of tell us what is currently happening? But also what I'd love to do is sort of have a look at what's been happening uh, historically as well. Yeah. 
So for your listeners uh, at the moment, I'm sure, no doubt, that in their social media feeds, they've been seeing a lot of headlines around Afghanistan. And then, you know, there's been a lot of um, information in a flurry going around about the Taliban resurgence and how they've come back into power in the country, that they took um, over the capital and that the Afghan government and president himself fled uh, last week and the news has just sort of been coming out in a mad sort of chaotic fashion since then with images that we've been seeing of pretty harrowing uh, situations unfolding at the airport with people scrambling to get out to safety. So there is a lot there already that is being, um, you know, depicted in the mainstream media. So, you know, I'm happy to go into more in depth about like how, why, what, where we're at today. And of course, what uh, Australia's role and in turn responsibility is to the people of Afghanistan. Well, what my next question was going to be is, uh, I do want to get to their response and, and their responsibility, mm. but mm. at mm. the moment, what are they putting out to the world or, or you know, what are they putting out to the Australian public in regards to how things are happening uh, uh, back in Afghanistan? In terms of um, the response from the Australians or yeah. in terms of um, their reactions to the, the, the Taliban and what Yeah, happened? I guess their reaction to uh, the Taliban, but then yeah. also a reaction to, I guess, what Afghanistan or Afghan people have been saying here in Australia. It's a really tough bind and I don't envy um, Australia right now because we went into the intervention back in 2001, post 9-11. And, you know, there was the best of intentions, of course, and and, and it really does boil down to what the impact has been longer term for not only the people of Afghanistan, but also the um, veterans who um, went um, in to, you know, remove um, Al-Qaeda, who was who was there at the time, and Osama bin Laden and that sort of narrative um, around that. And, you know, we're relatively successful. And then sort of that operation shifted into more nation building. And, you know, we can't deny that in the last 20 years, there has been substantial gains made. And that has been very much um, being facilitated by a number of parties, in fact, and factors, um, but more, but you know, specifically, so Afghans themselves historically have been a very sort of diverse, plural society where we were quite secular. This ideal, ideological sort of, you know, what the Taliban is trying to impose on people. A lot of Afghans, and of course, I can't speak on behalf of everyone, and I don't attempt to. Um, don't agree with this ideology of the Taliban. So, you know, it, it's quite a complicated history. Um, but the, the, the viewers at home, um, you know, for the listeners at home, apologies, it's about like just understanding a little bit more of that historical context that, you know, um, the intervention may have started in 2001 in terms of Australia's engagement with the US-led um, allied troops going in post 9-11. But Afghanistan itself has always had, um, not always, but the preceding 20 years has had turmoil being um, used as a, as a proxy during the Cold War between the US and Russia. 
And then following that, there's always been sort of geopolitical tensions between, um, you know, Beijing, Moscow, and then we've got Pakistan on one side and um, Tehran and Iran on the other. So there's a lot um, to unpack there. Um, so, you know, we can talk more about Australia's role and responsibility or we can talk more about the Taliban. What did you want to know, both? I'd love to give um, our context in terms of what is happening, what has happened, you know, and, and I guess what our response can be, um, you yeah. know, because we do have a pretty bad track record of bringing in refugees uh, in this mm. country as well. And I think at, at this current time, at this current time, we should, you know, all the refugees that are pending or, you know, that mm-hmm. are in asylum, we should, you know, let them in. You know, they've been mm-hmm. locked up for too long and then, you know, mm. start this process of, of bringing uh, uh, people here who, who need safety yeah. as well. Um, also yeah. as well, I'd love to have a chat about the history. Um, mm. You know, like we have a long history of of, of, of the Afghan Camelias and, and Aboriginal yeah. people marrying mm. into each other as well. You know, mm-hmm. it dates back well over a, a hundred years as well. So there's, there's yeah. a, there is a long, rich history, you know, that, that, that yeah. our communities do have with each mm-hmm. other as well. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, you can go in different parts of Australia, yeah. and you know these. You know they look spit an image like blackfellas, and they have mm. you know um, you know Afghan uh, last names. You know um, really, yeah, yeah, wow. yeah, yeah, Akbars and and um, Khans, <laughs> and yeah, 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 all all different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, um, I always like to make a joke that um, you know our green eyes that we have and the pervasiveness that um, has you know extended extends to mob here in Australia, but I'm, I'm never quite sure if that's act accurate or not because, um, you know, going out to some remote communities, you see these beautiful um, Aboriginal kids and they've got these stunning green eyes and I'm always curious as to whether it's actually from, cause from the descendants of the um, original Afghan, you know, obviously not original, but the original Afghan Cameleers that came out. Um, so, yeah, I guess like we do have a really long, rich history here in, in Australia. Obviously, um, you know, as settlers ourselves to this to this country, um, you know, I want to acknowledge, obviously, sovereignties and it was never ceded. And, and even Afghan Kamaliers who came out and their descendants uh, are, are settlers on, on, on stolen lands. Mm. But I do, you know, there is that history here. And, you know, we were also um, part of, you know, cr- coordination building here, those mm-hmm. who stayed on, those who didn't return to their home countries, building the Ghan, connecting the the East Coast to the West Coast, you know, the Ghan's named after Afghans. And, you know, that is really an important point. But second to that, um, you know, besides that, Australia was involved in the US-led coalition. We were there, we were on the ground, we were engaged militarily, we were engaged beyond that in terms of nation building. Um, and, you know, it's actually imperative that their government sees um, our sort of who we are and the agency that we have. And self-determination is also incredibly important to Afghans. We are a very proud people and we want to self-govern our own nation, not having to, and, and you know, the, the critical political analysis that I always say is, is about the Taliban and how they've come back into power and these simplistic narratives that we are seeing in media about, oh, they're, you know, they ousted the government and, and that's, you know, how is that possible? And how did the Afghan troops just abandon their posts? They didn't. 
we have to understand that, you know, the Taliban um, came back into power via Pakistan's backing, via Pakistan's training and arming them. And this happened in Doha last year in February 2020. Trump met with the leaders of the Taliban um, to sign these so-called peace deals and the Afghan government was not present. Nowhere um, were they represented in Doha. So when the Trump administration starts this process of legitimising the Taliban, signing these so-called peace deals, um, it really undermines everything that the Afghan government themselves have been trying to achieve. So I'm always just really conscious about these narratives. Um, and, you know, Donald Trump negotiated with the Taliban for a hasty retreat. And President Biden is simply, not simply, but he is enacting this plan put into play by Donald Trump for US troop withdrawal. And that is central to his foreign policy platform. I'm not saying that this exit strategy um, has been without criticism. Absolutely. It is shocking to see the way and the hastiness of the withdrawal where we're reading reports that Bagram Airport, which um, base, which was main base in Bagram for US troops, was abandoned almost overnight. Um, you know, we're seeing people scrambling now because of this hastiness. People were not given proper notice. People didn't realise that it would be such a hard deadline. Um, people thought that they would have more time in terms of, you know, this potential threat from the Taliban. So there is definitely that. And I'm, you know, obviously your target audience listening understands um, how these narratives sort of exist in a vacuum without giving proper context. Um, and we have to be really careful right now that we don't sort of rehash these old racist colonial tropes, which are deeply rooted in Islamophobia, suggesting that the Afghan people cannot govern for themselves. You know, decades of foreign intervention have really decayed the political structures of the country, sort of preventing self-determination. You know, where our Afghan culture is so rich, our history, our art, literature, our music, we are sort of an, an old established culture. And I'm so fearful that it's just going to be erased, much like, you know, Aboriginal cultures here in Australia, that a lot of white supremacy, it's white intervention, it's white violence, it's being used as political pawns in geopolitical um, warfare in the country. And we, you know, at the heart of it, we are a people of, of such diversity and we've just been so unlucky. I always say this, that um, we are unlucky. We're so... We're, we're geographically really positioned quite unluckily and we're landlocked. So, you know, when people joke about how... Um, Afghans can't swim. I'm like, we can't swim. We don't have any access to ocean or, or sea. You know, we don't, we're not a, we're a landlocked country, which in and of itself puts us in a position of vulnerability because we have to rely on our neighbours for access to trading ports and channels. So when you're, when you're so reliant on your neighbours, it's rife for exploitation. So, yeah, there's just a lot there. And, you know, even I'm seeing the humanitarian response unfolding um, and the Prime Minister at the highest levels 
sort of shrugging his shoulders and saying they're doing everything they can to help Afghans to assist the Australian troops and, you know, saying, well, we wish it were different. Well, actually, it can be different. We're not, we don't need to um, try and rewrite history, but what we can do right now in this crucial moment is do more for those Afghans who are trying to flee. And we do have, a, you know, besides the last, a little while where the refugee issue in Australia, and I hate to say campaign is an issue, but the ref, the topic of refugees has been quite politicised across the the parties, both parties. Now is not the time for um, pontification and and politicisation. It is actually a time for act, you know, doing something, and Australia can. Um, and we're really, you know, continuing to urge them. We're here as communities to advise them. We can, you know, um, we've been campaigning publicly to get them to agree to a once-off emergency intake of 20,000 Afghan refugees to be brought to Australia. And, you know, we have precedents to do this. We did this with the um, Vietnamese. We've done it with the Chinese after the Tiananmen Square massacre. We have done it with the Kosovars. Um, and we have um, precedents of doing it with the Syrian refugees um, following Abbott's announcement that we would be joining the US-led coalition forces conducting airstrikes in Syria. So it's not beyond the realm of imagination to call on the Australian government at this crucial moment in history to, in fact, pledge this once-off intake. It's also important to know that any humanitarian response must be taken, that is taken. We cannot do it without examining the root causes, and that means reckoning with our role that we play in the US-led intervention. As I've said, I'm very conscious of, of the veteran community in Australia right now, and I genuinely feel their pain as a fellow Afghan who we are also, I don't like to paint ourselves as victims, but we are suffering because of decisions about going to war and a war that no, no one chose particularly Afghans, and, you know, where are we at now 20 years on? And there was a damning allegations of war crimes allegedly committed by the Australian Defence Forces came out of Afghanistan, an 800-page report last year, November 2020, not that long ago. It's, it's incredible to see the collective amnesia of people in this country, but I understand COVID, the pandemic, people have been remarkably distracted by other things happening at home. Um, but there was a, you know, a damning allegations of war crimes committed by the Australian Defence Forces in Afghanistan. So, you know, we have to also understand that the, there is a, an immense responsibility beyond just turning in troops. We have this report at hand and to date, not one single person has been held to account for these allegations of war crimes. If anything, you know, um, General Angus Campbell came out and apologised to the Afghans for this report last year and um, some, um, you know, honour honor medals were actually stripped back um, off some um, of Australian Defence Force personnel um, and members. But then Peter Dutton quietly reinstated those medals only a few months later. So what does that, what message does that send to Afghans and the value of our lives? So that's, that's a, 
really pertinent point as well to keep in mind. And you just can't really intellectualize away people's very genuine calls and feelings on the ground right now and how Afghans feel sold out and failed by their own government and by the entire international community. If you are just joining me on uh, the program, uh, my guest on Let's Talk is Diana Sayed. Uh, Diana is the CEO of the Australian Muslim Women's Centre for Human Rights and also is an international uh, human rights lawyer. We're having a chat about what is currently happening in Afghanistan. Over the weekend as well, regardless of how Australia, the Australian government may perceive or, or, or may represent sort of the people, um, you know, thousands of people, hundreds of people in, in major cities, you know, mm-hmm. hit the streets uh, with Afghan uh, people and, you know, uh, shouted for justice. And uh, to know that, you know, there are many people uh, in Australia and definitely globally as well that do scream, you know, justice and uh, show solidarity. Does it feel good? You know, how does it make you feel knowing that, you know, there are pockets of people uh, in different parts of this country and the world that are are standing up as well? Yeah, absolutely. And I have always been a human rights advocate, community organiser, campaigner now for over 15 years. And it's been incredible for sure. And, you know, we are not our worst moments. And, uh, you know, just to see how many people have come out and signed our open letter to the Prime Minister calling for that emergency intake of 20,000 refugees, calling for the um, those who are here in Australia who are, who are on temporary protection visas to be granted permanent pathways, um, you know, pathways to permanent protection so that they don't have to live their lives in limbo. You know, people have, you know, we're waiting for family reunification for years and there's a lot of bureaucratic red tape on them being able to re- reunify with their families. And, you know, the um, the current existing humanitarian intake was already significantly reduced. So the amount that they have allocated to Afghans within that, um, within that figure is still woefully low, given there's a population of, you know, over 40 million people. Not to say that we want 40, 40 million people will be leaving Afghanistan. Not everyone wants to leave their home. That's also important to note. It's not like we're going to have this massive influx. Not everyone wants to leave their homes. And, you know, we can hold a, a multitude of, of feelings right now. We can, you know, be resentful for the um, the US-led allied troops leaving the country in the manner and way that they are and sort of, you know, worrying about what's going to happen for the stability of the country. We can also not want the Taliban to come in to, to, to power because we don't agree with their ideology and how they've treated women, how they've treated academics, how they've treated other at-risk groups and minor ethnic minorities um, and, you know, the, the, the way that they conducted and tried to govern the country was also not aligned with a lot of Afghans. And then we can also critique the Afghan government that was in power over the last 20 years about their lack of sort of being able to unify the country. Um, Corruption was rife, siphoning off of millions of dollars of, of foreign aid and war profiteering. So there's a lot of criticism at hand right now, but I think it's really important to always come back to Afghan people centering our voices, understanding that there is a a lot of anger and hurt right now and you know it's quite complex um and you know you know we're we're not um here to sort of 
rehash history and trying to rewrite it. What we're trying to do essentially is saying that um, we are just trying to do what we can right now. And you're so hard to just reduce like this whole issue down, even to a podcast in session. Like I've been doing radio grabs and it's been so hard to try and convey that. I think that these longer form pieces are actually really important. Um, and, you know, there's just, there's just so much that, um, that the Australian government can do right now. And, and we don't need the pity from people. We need action. We need them to condemn and denounce and put pressure on our governments and people listening to know that your voice is really powerful and right now is a time to stand by the people of Afghanistan. And, and you know, we also want a country free from regional imperial powers. And we also, you know, want a country that's prosperous, that where our kids you know, safe to go to school, where women are, you know, able, you know, freedoms are for women to choose the right to study, education. All of those things are incredibly important to Af- Afghans. And you know what we're seeing now and witnessing is it feels very much like Western abandonment of Afghanistan on a, on a mass scale, and that's really heartbreaking for us. Um, and and yeah, this manner of departure has been quite horrifying to witness obviously due to covid you know uh not too much can happen especially in in certain states uh uh, in this country but what Mm -hmm. can people do to support as well you mentioned there was a petition Mm -hmm. going around um uh, last week um you know what can we continue to do to sort of uh, raise uh uh, um uh, the plight of sort of what is happening at the moment yeah, absolutely. And, you know, um, Afghanistan's not technically in the Middle East. We're, you know, Southwest Asia region um, and sort of um, more Central Asia rather than Middle East. Uh, and we definitely are just caution people who are listening around buying into these sort of old and tired tropes around uh, Muslims, and which is deeply embedded in Islamophobia in this country and refugees and the dehumanisation of our plight and the very real othering of us as a people. And I think that the, the, the narrative that we are experiencing is very much paralleled with First Nations communities here in so-called Australia. So, you know, it's, it's very pertinent and relatable. Um, and, you know, I have always grounded my work in First Nations um, justice and um, sovereignty never being ceded and understanding that this is like sort of the, the, the playbook of imperialism and white supremacy and intervention mentality where we're going to come into a country and impose our ideologies and our way of life and then if if that you know if that viol- that violence is somehow legitimized but if you need us to come and save you we also will play the, the good guy rather than you know well, we are somewhat responsible for the plight that you are currently experiencing and and that disconnect i see again and again play out through western media that you know well the taliban's bad okay we're going to go and save afghans now no why is the taliban back in power there were deals struck by Trump with the Taliban in Doha, legitimising them, greenlighting them, um, with Pakistan funding them, and they very much came back into power because the US was withdrawing and was not committing to keeping any sort of presence on the ground. Um, you know, to this date, they still have a presence in Japan. NATO forces still have a presence in Germany following World War Two. So 
There was no reason to completely withdraw. And I'm not condoning or greenlining Western intervention. Um, but I am saying that things can be done a lot more strategically. Things can be done planning um, longer term for the future and stability of the country. Because when we see these things unfold really quickly like this, um, we have to start asking questions as to why, what happened, who is is, is orchestrating this, what are, the pe- what are the people of Afghanistan want, how, how are they feeling right now, and centering those experiences and genuinely, um, you know, letting us speak and drive that change to self-determination self determination rather than imposing what is or shouldn't be for us. Um, and that's, yeah, I can see why, you know, very a close issue to um, Indigenous folk. Hi, this is Rafiv Ziada and you're listening to 3CR Pro-Palestinian Happily Proud Radio. You're on Refugee Radio on 3CR and you've been listening to part of an interview with Diana Saeed produced by Bima Radio up in Brisbane. You can have a listen to the full interview if you go online on 989fm.org.au we'll also put the link up on the podcasting page thanks for listening to Refugee Radio this week keep listening to 3CR this is Refugee Radio Salam Habibi Salam Habibi this is Marushti and Lukman from Salam Radio Show Tune in on Sundays from 4 till 5 p.m. on 3CR for some modern Arabic mazika. Salam Radio Show will be bringing you every week a surge of new, modern and reinterpreted sounds of Arabic mazika ranging from trap, rap, hip-hop, pop, R&B, experimental, ambient and electronic music. Yalla habaybna. Shunatrin. Join us every Sunday on Salam Radio Show. Mainstreaming Arabic Mazika. Oh. <laughs>